Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Today we're going to talk about a topic that is important to pretty much everyone. If you are alive out there, you were... You were birthed by a woman, and part of the things that occur in order to allow women to give childbirth is that they go through monthly menstrual cycles, and this is a normal process that occurs for young girls and women, and this is something that often is not talked about in the medical community or even in the social community as often as it could be. And part of that may be some embarrassment, some shame, some thoughts of not wanting to share that personal information. But today we're going to talk with a very inspiring woman, Ali Body. She comes from New Zealand, and she was just part of a wonderful seminar at the East West Center that was really trying to empower women to become female entrepreneurs, leaders in their community and find ways to band together with women from all over the world to establish this wonderful community and network of support and find ways that they can collaboratively and cooperatively work together on projects literally throughout the world. So I want to thank you for joining me today in the studio. Kia ora, Kathleen. Thank you so much for having me on. Now, you come from New Zealand, and some of the places some of your colleagues in this program came from included Sri Lanka, Malaysia, India, the Philippines, Tonga. Where else? That Does that cover it? I mean, there were people from everywhere. Oh, absolutely everywhere as well as that. We had some beautiful wahine from Fiji, Samoa as well, uh, right here as well in Hawaii too. Fantastic. And that was a great program. Lasted for about two weeks. People had to apply. You had to get accepted, go through a process, and really try and bring to fruition a project that you were working on, but also share that with other people and learn about entrepreneurial skills and leadership skills. And it was an amazing event. I was really happy to be just a tiny little part of that. And you brought to the table this fantastic social entrepreneur group that you're working with, the WA Collective. And this is looking at trying to help women who are dealing with menstruation, who may or may not have access to appropriate feminine products, new ways to, in a a healthier way, take care of that time when they are going through that process of menstruation. It all started when you went on a trip to India. What was that about? It did start in India. So I was 19 at the time. And I didn't quite know what to do with myself, but I was studying a course in religion and I'd really, really fallen in love with the culture surrounding Hinduism and Buddhism. So I thought, right, let's just do something about that. So I booked a ticket and moved to India. Fantastic. I mean, I still don't know what to do with myself at times, but that's great. So you just said, I want to learn about it. I'm going to India. Absolutely. I mean, maybe you should too, you know, did it for me. But anywho, so uh, before I left, I heard the most incredible talk from two women who sew reusable cloth pad kits for an organization called Days for Girls, uh, an international organization, beautiful, beautiful humans doing fantastic stuff. And they said, that if a girl gets her period and she doesn't have access to any resources that she can even use as a menstrual product, she then drops out of school and then the cycle of poverty continues. And that really, really struck a chord with me. I'd come from a household where there was always food on the table and therefore there were always menstrual products available as well. So off I went to India 
basically just with my toothbrush and a whole lot of cloth pad kits in my backpack. Kathleen, you should have seen me trying to get through customs. (laughs) I can only imagine some of the things they were wondering. Okay. Well, I mean, actually, that's when the taboo around menstruation can kind of come in handy because in the end, I just got shuffled through because no one wanted to deal with it. Right. We don't know, but uh, that might be a girl thing. Let her go. Let it go. So off I went. I ended up living in the foothills of the rural Himalayas. Incredible space. And I became friends with a really wonderful nurse who lived there. And then together we were able to educate the local community in an appropriate way because it wouldn't be right with me coming all the way over from New Zealand going, hey, this is how you deal with your period. That's not right. So together we worked in to educate the local girls about why they were actually having a period, what it meant, and also to distribute these reusable cloth pad kits for them. And the kits themselves are the most beautiful bright colours because, of course, you couldn't just hang a raggedy old white stained napkin on a washing line in order to wash it because that that's just not going to fly. So instead, they're the most beautiful kits that are covered in gorgeous colours so they just look like a hanky. So we delivered these and the girls had tears in their eyes when they realised what this would mean for them. And that was single-handedly one of the most powerful moments of my life. However, I realised that I created a problem of inequity because there were now uh, kids who had these kits and there were also a wider community who didn't have them. So the nurse and I banded together and we managed to source a supply chain from the south of India to the north where we were to get all the components needed, sewing machines included, so that the local women could actually sew these kits themselves. So this was really, really huge. We're talking about an area that is very, very isolated as well. Um, And even the monastery came on board and gave us space to be able to sew these kits. And it was going really, really well until... Until. Until. There's always an until with something like this, right? And so what happened was that the power balance within the community started to shift and women started to gain more autonomy and gain more control over their bodies and started to gain more of a voice in a different way than what was being projected currently. And then after that, the doors just started to close and the nurse and I were asked to leave. And that was a massive, massive learning for me because I learned that with any type of social change, even if you're just targeting one group as the end result of that, we need to be talking with everybody. And that is especially prominent with periods. We've got to talk to everyone in this conversation because as you said at the start of this, periods, they're not actually just a woman's thing or a menstruator's thing. They concern us all. As they should. If you were born in this world and you're alive, then that happened because nature allowed it to happen. And this is a natural change that occurs in women's bodies. And it's something that allows them to give birth to children. And all of us were were born from somebody. There's no way around that. You've got it. So, you know, here you are as a young, impressionable 19-year-old going off to India, learning some really important social environmental skills. Like you had mentioned earlier, you can't just go into a community and say, I know better than you. You have to assess the needs of that community, figure out a way to communicate with the women in in a way in which they'll respond and not feel like somebody from afar is telling them, here's how to live your life. I know better than you. You have to sort of become immersed in the community. And then you make these connections. And unfortunately, as you saw, when a little power dynamic changed, when women started to be able to take more control over their health and their bodies, some doors got closed. And unfortunately, it wasn't something you were able to continue. But it sounds like you learned some great material from that 
and were able to use that in other ways. I really did. And I'd also like to add that I have real, real faith in that community, that those women had that spark of an idea and had access to those resources to be able to then go and do it themselves. And that's the most important thing. So yes, off I went from that, back to Aotearoa, New Zealand, and I started to question the system that we live in. And I found out that actually this whole period poverty game of being of, of a struggle to be able to afford access to menstrual products wasn't just a problem that happened, quote unquote, over there. It's happening in all of our own communities, right here on this island included. And I found out that one third of our students in New Zealand have skipped class at some point because of not having access to menstrual products. And that just shocked me. And it shocked me again because it's something we don't talk about. Because we're taught to not talk about our bodies, we're taught to not understand our bodies, and we're taught that that's a wrong thing. And so this had never been a conversation that had come up before. But at the same time, I also did a bit of maths. And I found out that in New Zealand, we use enough menstrual products each year to wrap the entire circumference of the globe. In small New Zealand. In small little old New Zealand with a population of 4 million humans, we use that many menstrual products. And actually, I did the maths for Hawaii, if you're interested, and it is 120 million each year are used. So I don't know, maybe that's about a third of the globe. Uh, Anyway, it's a lot. Um, And what's more, these products can take up to 500 years to decompose. Just when we thought that we were being recycling and being environmentally conscious. We're going to come right back after a quick break. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Ali Body from New Zealand, and she is working with the WA Collective. And we're going to talk some more about how that is really reaching out to women who need to have access to menstrual products to help them to continue their education and other really important aspects of their lives. We're going to come back and hear more about the story of how this is going right now and what all of us can do to help. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with my good friend, Ali Body from New Zealand. And I met her at the East West Center just a short while ago. And she was part of this amazing, incredible experience, a life-changing event, I would think, for women from around the world that are getting together, becoming this cooperative, coordinated group that is becoming part of the East West alumni and really talking about ways to change the world, empower women and men, and work on education for everyone in various different fields and aspects of their lives. So right before the break, we were talking about your journey to India, and you learned some really important social entrepreneurial skills there. You came back home to New Zealand, and then you decided, hey, you know what? I found out that here I was in India, seeing that there was a need in the community. The need is also right back at home. And you mentioned that 
menstrual products don't decompose for 500 years. You know, here in Hawaii, we recently implemented a plastic bag ban, those flimsy little plastic bags that often were obtained at grocery stores, and we said, not good for the environment. We've got to stop using these. And certain areas have decided to stop using the styrofoam containers for takeout because they know that that may not be environmentally sound. I don't think anybody's really looked at something as as necessary as menstrual products as not decomposing for that long period of time. And you mentioned that you could circle the globe with these products multiple times over, and that's just one year data that you're looking at. You're not even looking at the numbers of years that women will use these products and thinking about how wasteful we happen to be in the way that we're approaching this. And there are some other ways we could. So you mentioned that it, even locally here in Hawaii, 120 million products are used, could go maybe a third around the globe. Are there other things that you found were shocking and surprising when looking at the use of menstrual products back home or even locally here? Yeah, absolutely. So I found out that we've become really disenfranchised with our bodies. And that's exemplified in the way that we use our menstrual products. We just chuck our periods away every two to eight hours and don't think about what that's actually doing to our bodies, how much that's costing us, and how much in the end it's actually costing our planet. And when it costs our planet, that comes in circles right back round and affects our health. So it's this massive system that we're in. Um, as well as that, uh, for anybody that is a tampon user, tampons, um, they actually cause microabrasions internally inside your vagina every single time they're inserted or removed. They change your pH balance and they dry you out because, of course, they're in there absorbing everything. And the fact is they don't need to. They just need to be getting the menzies. Um, and so really just began to question what's actually happening. And a turning point for me was when... I remembered that once I'd heard of a thing called a menstrual cup. And this is something that had been around. It was used back in the 1930s or so and kind of fell out of vogue. Yeah, I mean, it, it never got into vogue is okay. probably the way to put it. So it was in first patented by an American actress called Leona Chalmers in 1937. She was an actress. She was standing up on stage in a white dress and wondering what on earth she'd do when she got her period. So being the forward-thinking, incredible human she was, she invented the world's first menstrual cup as we know it, called a catamenial receptor. Catamenia meaning anything to do with menses or menstrual blood. She proposed that it was made out of vulcanized rubber, Great. However, then the war hit. So even if anybody had actually wanted to use this product, because of course there's a massive set of behavioural change that's needing to go through to get anyone to convert to this, but even if we'd got there, there would have been no rubber or resources available for it to actually be manufactured. And so on and so forth, the menstrual cup has really just hit bad timing globally up until about the last five years, when people have really just started to take a step back from the system that we live in and start to question, hey, are there actually other options out there? And don't get me, mo- don't get me wrong, the, the tampon and the disposable pad have done absolute wonders for menstruators. We would not be here where we are today without them. We'd still be free, free bleeding on a piece of cardboard back home. You know, we Not wouldn't... something we want to think about. No, absolutely. And, and so they've done absolute wonders, but, but now it's time that actually... We can start to look at a different solution, one that's actually going to be better for our health and also better for the health of the environment that we're part of. And so you took a look and said, hey, there's this menstrual cup available. Maybe we should consider making this product something that would save the resources and be something reusable and 
Is it environmentally able to degrade less than 500 years? What are we talking about as far as the actual product? Describe it for me. Oh, I will happily describe it. So a menstrual cup, they are made out of two main products. One um, of them is a TPA plastic option, and then another is a medical-grade silicone option. The The latter is the one that we choose. That cup lasts up to 10 years. So that means one person with a period will only need one cup to do their entire perioding over that decade. And that will save them thousands of dollars and also prevent around 2,500 disposable menstrual products from going to landfill. So that's absolutely huge. However, it is quite difficult currently to be able to recycle silicone. And so that's what we're working on and getting a full closed loop system within that because it can be upcycled into wonderful things like sports turf, believe it or not. I believe it. You know, it's amazing. They do some of the recycling of, you know, sneakers that people say have rubber and maybe they're not using their sneakers. They've worn out in certain areas. And Nike has taken that on and built different types of rubberized courts for kids in, in areas where there is a need and provided playgrounds for kids and done other sorts of wonderful things with shoe recycling. It's something that we didn't, wouldn't normally think about if you've worn a hole in your shoe or it doesn't fit or something's wrong with it. What else could you do with it? So we know that recycling can actually be something that gets repurposed and that works great. We see various different things that are made out of recycled products. In fact, you can go to any food store and you may want to specifically get something that is recycled. So that does lend itself to that process of being more environmentally conscious. Now, when you describe having the silicone as something that could potentially be upcycled and used for a different type of a product, in this situation, you have this cup. If somebody were to say, I want to start using it, where do they get it from? If a woman said, this sounds great, I'm on board, how can they find one? You're in New Zealand. Nice. Well, we ship to the entire world. So anyone can um, jump online and we will send you a cup no matter where we are. However, there's also some fantastic brands all over the show. So give it a Google and you will have some local stockists as well. I realize how old I am when give it a Google and Google is a verb. And therefore, I know I'm getting older to think I didn't used to have access to the internet when I grew up. All right, we're going to come right back. We're going to talk a little bit more about how these products could be shipped and the extra bonus of doing something like that for other women who are in need. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Ollie Body. She is from New Zealand, and she is here as part of an East-West Center program and helping us learn more about ways in which we can be more environmentally conscious with such a normal body process as menstruation. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here in the studio with social entrepreneur and amazing woman who I have had the great opportunity to meet and to give a lecture with, Ollie Body. She hails from New Zealand. I must say, I absolutely love your accent, although I realize 
you think I have an accent, which to me is surprising, but I'm just going to go with that. Just go with it. I'm going to go go with it. it. And we've been talking today about ways in which we can be more environmentally conscious dealing with women who, as a natural part of their life, have menstrual cycles. And there is something called a menstrual cup. And if someone were to decide they wanted to use such a product, they could get it. There's various different sources. But there's something special about the way that your company has taken this on. If someone were to purchase one, what happens to that is it, there's there's a give back phenomena that occurs there absolutely is and that's why we set up so we set up originally uh, because we again found out that students were unable to afford the cost of menstrual products and similar to my experiences off overseas that means that you're simply not going to be able to participate in life fully or support your family say uh, so every single premium quality menstrual cup that we sell we can then subsidize cups for students in need throughout Aotearoa New Zealand and soon to be the Pacific as well so we are working on on these things um, and that's really really important um, we chose to subsidize rather than give for free as well so that that really is going to someone who actually really wants it so there's a nominal value exchange uh, because otherwise we're going to be channeling all our resources for this product just to sit in someone's drawer but it's going where it's needed and it's going with education as well um, because there is an educational component to using a menstrual cup because uh, you're like what's this where does that go that looks big um, so We've got to have a real human conversation and so we work in with health collectives throughout the country who enable that and who can really make sure that this is a hand up rather than a hand out. So every single purchase helps our social mission in that way and of course helps you out as well. It's so much safer for your body. Well, you mentioned that in some cases it's not even just the using of the disposable pads, but tampons actually can cause some microabrasions. They can actually cause some other problems. There's usually a little warning that comes with most packages here in the United States that says, be aware of toxic shock syndrome. And I know someone who actually had that, and it was related to the fact that they could these products could be left in too long or they could have little pieces of cotton that get retained and various sorts of problems that can lead to serious issues medically. It's not common, but it can happen. And that it may even be a healthier option that if you were to consider using a menstrual cup, this is something that would be easy to reuse. It would be something that would make the entire process of menstruation easier to manage and also be environmentally environmentally conscious. I really like the idea that you have this entrepreneurial aspect of we're going to go ahead and provide one for women in need. And you mentioned an important part of that. It's subsidized. It's not just given away. It's we want you to have some idea of ownership of wanting to use this. So I'm curious how many of these menstrual cups have you sold or has your collective sold over the last couple of months or years? Nice. So we've been operating for just over one year with our full impact and business model. In that space, we have prevented one million disposable menstrual products from going to landfill and we've also saved or let me put this, I need to be putting this in USD, we've saved menstruators around $300,000 that they'd otherwise be spending on just chucking their periods away or actually be spending that time not being able to afford that. So within that, we've also helped around 2,500 students within Aotearoa New Zealand who are on the line of period poverty and we've been able to help them up out of that with education. 
And it's not just education about how to use the cup, but there's other education about their body, about what's going on, about why they have cycles. Yes, so much. The wonderful thing with a menstrual cup is actually that you're confronted with your own body. And for a lot of us, myself included, when I first used this product, that can be a lot because all of a sudden you're staring at this cup and it's full of your own blood, and you notice the color of it. You notice how much of it there is, um, or how little there is, actually, because it turns out we bleed a whole lot less than we think, uh, which was a real revelation for me. I thought I had a tsunami of a period, but turns out I don't. Fun fact with TMI, Ollie. Uh, so, um, but you, you learn so much, and you really, because of that, can become so much more connected to your body. And this is really, really relevant for, say, anyone who suspects that they might have endometriosis, because then you can go to your GP, your doctor, and say, hey, I'm bleeding this many ounces or this many mils per month. Take me seriously. Because before that, we don't really know how much we're bleeding because we're just chucking it away within the rayon or cotton cotton that is a disposable pad or tampon. So with a menstrual cup, we actually can become a lot closer to our bodies. And with that, we've also noticed it catalyzes a real behavior change in people. Um, and all of a sudden, you're aware of so much more of the impacts that you're having on the environment. And it's really, really wonderful. And as well as that, when you have a positive uh, experience with a menstrual cup, people don't shut up about it. And no one else, I hope I'm allowed to say that, yes, um, <laughs> um, no, no one else really has that experience with a pad or a tampon. I don't know anyone that actually, you know, raves about using that product. But we do get people like that with a menstrual cup. And it's because all of a sudden you, you know what's happening and it's easier. It's way less messy. Uh, you can go all day without needing to change it. And of course, the huge money saving in that as well, which is so important because if a menstrual product or lack of access to a menstrual product is stopping anyone from being able to participate in life fully or even just having to spend less on groceries that month, that's huge. And so by this simple change, we can really, really, truly help. So it's not even just the financial impact. It's the environmental impact. It's the access to education, not just because women can go to school if they're young girls and they otherwise would not be able to because they could not go because they didn't have products, but also the education about their bodies. So it's really starting at the source and providing all these different branches of ways in which this is a positive way to impact women's health. Now, this is something that you started for about a year. Let's think wild, improbable goals. Where do you want to see this go in the next couple of years? Where would you like to see this entire collective that you're working with be able to bring this to fruition in either further in your own country or bring it around to some of the other places? What's your dream? Beautiful. My dream is that everyone can have access to safe and healthy menstrual products that actually help their own bodies and also help our environment as well. So right now we're primarily our impact space is in Aotearoa, New Zealand, but being a collective, wa collective, we are growing through that collective and through collaborations and partnerships is really, really key for us. Um, and so for us, it's growing and it's getting on board other people who are really working in this space and spaces similar and collaboratively working together and co-creating solutions for communities in need because very similar well actually from my lesson I learned in India you, you can't just go in and go hey I'm Ollie I do it this way do it this way too that doesn't work and so we're needing people on the ground in their own communities who know their communities well that we can then partner with and link up with so that they can provide the education and the product in the right way possible and of course a menstrual cup's not going to be 
be right for everyone. And we are by no means wanting to force this onto anyone as a solution. That would be it. It's completely wrong. Instead, we create an open conversation so that people can choose to if they want. And so I really, really see the future of Wire Collective not just be being about menstrual cups, but also with reusable pads as well, which is where my own journey started into this. And so we have some fantastic partners, Days for Girls New Zealand, uh, who we're working alongside with us to make this possible. And so really, this is also becoming a global movement. The period conversation is actually happening. I guarantee you, 10 years ago, this conversation between us right now, that probably wouldn't have been happening either, even though you, you are within this field. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we're really, really starting to be able to talk about this. And one thing I've learned as well is that we, if we can't talk about an issue, we sure as heck can't do anything about beginning to solve it. So for us, it's working with language and it's spreading throughout the globe with other people who are already there as well. And this is not just for women. The collective includes men as well. This is a conversation that needs to take place with everyone. Absolutely. And I really, really feel that uh, menstruators, women, have a role within this to not not block men out of this conversation. We have a role to give permission for men to be able to be in this conversation because we cannot ask for this behaviour and social change just by talking to one half of the globe. We need to be talking with everybody and we can all do that collectively together. And so we can all give that permission. And we are starting right here, helping the Hawaii people to know a little bit more about it. And we'll have to have you come back from New Zealand sometime, talk some more about where things have gone. Hopefully in the next couple of years, the WA Collective is going to be something that everybody has heard about and we all know and and promote and help with the sustainability features of it. Thank you for coming on today. If you'd like to hear the show again, go to our website. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. See you next week.